Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here, and I want to welcome you to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us for part two of an amazing interview with Marie Elric author of an outstanding book series called Daughters of Tamnoray. Now, it consists of two books at the moment, but praise God, more are on the way. Amen. The first book is Itania's Worth, and the second is Itania's Calling. Both of these books were written for young women to let them know that they're loved and called by Christ for a specific purpose. And that is so important in today's society. Our young ladies out there are growing up. They're growing up fast. They need to know this information. And these books are a great way to get that information into their hearts and into their minds at this age. Amen. All right, let's jump back into the interview now with Marie Elric. And, and although these stories are fictional and, and fantasy books, you don't really overplay the the magic portion of the of the books like some of the other ones out there, right? Yeah. So something that is uh, very unique about my books. Now, some people have said they're magical. I personally don't think they're any more magical than C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. Okay. And I make it very clear that magic, as I understand it, which is spells, witchcraft, um, incantations are used by the evil one. And so my evil characters are usually the ones doing spells or incantations and things like that versus the powers that are in my book are more like superpowers or natural abilities. Um, So I consider it more like if God gives us each talents and things that he has for us, then what if those talents or abilities or those natural inclinations were the ability to shoot fire out of your hands or grow plants? You know, what if that was what God gave you instead of what we have here on earth, which is like sports ability or intellectual ability or technology or nature or something like that. Instead, it's like a power or superpower. And so that's what I consider the powers in my book, which is why I've never considered them magic at all. Um, And so that's how I kind of walk that line. But I understand that there are many people who have variations on what they find acceptable and what they don't. But I try to emphasize that what is natural and good talents or powers, and then the evil powers are related to spells, witchcraft, the devil, Satan, demons, that kind of thing. And emphasizing that contrast in my book. Amen. Amen. And and obviously there has to be some kind of evil villain that needs to be defeated, right? Tell us about this character. Yeah, so um, I my villains are fascinating. Um, for my first book in Atani's Worth, um, I had always wanted to do like a couple as a villain because I was inspired by Ahab and Jezebel from the Bible. 
And so I have Torin and Giselle. And yes, Giselle's name is based on Jezebel from the Bible. And Torin is very much being manipulated by his wife to go on this campaign of defeating um, Tanya and her father and her in her love interest. And he's on this like epic campaign against them, but it's weird because he's weirdly motivated by a twisted form of love. Like I want to kind of show this contrast between true love and then like twisted love. Like you shouldn't just do evil things just because a loved one says, well, if you loved me, you would do this. You know, that's not real love. That's twisted. And so I kind of concentrated on that a lot for my first book. And then in my second one, it's more focused on Giselle, like her, his wife and her quest for vengeance and how vengeance can consume you and how she actually, she and Torin have a child in the first book. And it's like, she is such on this quest for vengeance. She's ignoring the future she has with her own child and how that evil can utterly consume you um, and how vengeance is never a good thing. Because I do feel like our media today kind of portrays vengeance as something that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you feel so good when you take vengeance on someone else. Yeah. But God clearly says in his Bible, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That is not your responsibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I I kind of both those characters to me, I make them you I make them so that you can understand them, but not that you can go, mm, even though I understand where you're coming from, it's still evil and wrong. Like I want to make that very clear because I know there's a lot of anti-villains or anti-heroes out there, but I don't like that. I want to make it very clear that no matter how quotes noble your intentions are. If you're doing the wrong things, you're still doing the wrong things. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and the second book, Etienne's Calling, I take it this is a continuation of the first book, right? So yes. what's this story about? Yeah. So this one is um, Giselle and it goes to find a demon and she's going to find a demon so that she can have more powers to defeat Atanya and her companions. And so she actually agrees to be demon-possessed in order to defeat Atanya. In her mind, that's the only way to do it. Even though talk, like I give the demon a voice, kind of like screw tape letters, you know, type of thing. And even though it's very clear and she has suspicions that the demon isn't out for her own good, it's only out for its good, it, she still goes with it. And she still obeys. So Tanya's quest is to try and stop this uh, Giselle and the demon from destroying um, northern Tamnery. So I have Tamnery split into two northern south and from coming eventually to the south and, you know, destroying the south southern Tamnery. So that's her entire quest. In that quest, she meets someone named Zayden, who is a prince who is actually working as a double agent. So he's working for Giselle, but he pretends to be Tanya's friend. So I kind of have this theme, and I like to use the verses from Proverbs especially. So my first one was on Tanya's Worth was all about, uh, you know, 
the where it says a woman who is faithful to God, she is worth far more than rubies. Um, that verse. And then this one was more like charm is deceptive but a woman who trusts the Lord is to be praised. And I wanted to show that, especially through Zayden, that he is charming. He is, um, you know, someone who's a very rogue character, kind of like Han Solo from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And you're just not sure, can you trust him? Can you not? And Atanya, thinking the better of someone, um, tends to trust him more. And kind of learning throughout the story, okay, who can I really trust? Should I put my trust in people or myself? Or should I put my trust in the Lord? And so it's a lot of that theme of trusting God and discerning good from evil and right from wrong. And so, um, and then it all around the quest of trying to stop Giselle and this demon from doing something wrong to the country and disrupting yeah. everything. Else. So, yeah. Amen. 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 Do the characters in your book age or do they stay about the same age in the storyline? Yeah, they do. So uh, I think Atanya starts out at 18. Yeah, she starts out at 18 in Atanya's worth. By the time Atanya's calling starts, she's about 19. Um, and by the time it ends, I think she's still about 19, almost 20. Um, so I usually have about a year for each book. Um and then I would say like Kiel, her love interest is about 2021. 20, um, same with Zayden. They're about two years older than her. And then, of course, her father. Um, her father is a little unique because I based him upon the disciples in the Bible, it, but as if they could have longer lives. So as if Jesus said, hey, Peter, you know, you're going to live for X amount of years and minister to my people. So her father's like over 200 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, but I have this kind of theme, like they can only have a few children just because then it would make sense if you're long living longer, that you could only have a few kids. And it's not like a Tanya will live as long as he could either. Um, so yeah, so he's a little bit older, but um, my other characters do age, and I kind of take them from, like, I guess you could say adult, like early adulthood to a little bit of later adulthood. Amen. 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 What what other examples from your personal life are depicted in this book, or the first one as well? Yeah, um, you know, I did not want to be a teacher, and... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a hard field. It's a hard thing to yeah. do. Um, and I really feel like you have to be called to do it. Absolutely. And I didn't want to be a teacher, just like Atanya didn't want to be this hero who saves Tamnere, you know, and I could very much relate to that is that I didn't want to be a teacher, but God called me to the classroom and he showed me that that is what he wanted me to do. Um, and I wanted to show too, that ultimately our purpose is glorifying God. So I'm not sure how long, you know, God will keep me in the classroom, but I will stay as long as he asked me to. And then, you know, if he calls me to do something else as your own life testaments, you know, being in the army, then being a cop, and then also now being on this podcast, it's like, God will call us to do different things throughout our lives. Yeah. And we just have to obey whatever his call is. And so I kind of wanted to show that with my book. 
books. So for her in particular, she often reflects me um, and my growing. Um, For Jake and it was interesting because many of my parents or people who are older could relate to him because he is a parent and he struggles with raising a Tanya and doing the right thing by his own daughter. And I honestly, it's like, I'm not a parent, but trying to, I could relate to trying to deal with someone or trying to do the best thing for someone, especially as a teacher. I sometimes feel like, you know, I want to do the best thing for my students. And I just wish they could understand um, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to help them with and not be rebelling against me for what I'm trying to do, you know? (laughs) And um, so for Jake, and that's how I could relate to him. And with Kiel, I kind of based him somewhat on my husband um, in that, you know, wrestling with guilt and wrestling with um, your own feelings or being able to express those feelings the right way, um, jealousy, anger, all these like negative emotions that we all deal with, and then trying to communicate them, but also have a good relationship. So I feel like you know, especially the first book is more them falling in love, I guess you could say. And Atanya's calling and Atanya's destiny is more about our own relationships and how can we work together and have a relationship and work through our issues and our problems that we have. Um, so I wanted to show a more realistic relationship, I guess you could say, um, which hasn't always made my reviewers happy. <laughs> Because they're all like, oh, well, it was so sweet. And then now they're not getting along so great. But I wanted to show two people working together that are in love with each other, but trying to learn each other and come to an understanding and communicate and grow in their relationship. I want to show that because I felt it's important for young women to know it's not just all sunshine and butterflies, but also that, you know, a marriage or a relationship takes work. And once it is, that work is worth it. And so those are ways I've like integrated things throughout my story, Um, you know, with Zayden, he, I think that for him, I saw I've seen many of my friends make choices that are not great. And I I think he was partially inspired by that and partially inspired by the problem I see on television and movies where they portray uh, using people um, and doing bad things as good and you get away with it and nothing bad ever happens to you. Right. And I really wanted to portray someone who it's like, no, there are consequences for your actions and there are things that will happen that are that are negative for the negative things that you do. Because I was so tired of media portraying these things as, oh, you can go and drink and ha- never have a problem or go right. and be with a whole bunch of women and never have an issue. Like, no, that's not true. That's not real, you know. Um, and so I I think that it's not necessarily that I'm Zayden or I've been there, but just that I could understand him, but I wanted to show what happens when you do things that aren't God's way. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of different things that you use to write a book, I think. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Who's your target audience? What's the basic age of the audience that you're writing for? So I would say um, my basic age usually is new adult, which is defined as like 18 to 21 around there. However, 
I have had teenagers who like my books as young as 14. Um, It really depends on how high of a reader they are, I think, um, because I think the higher readers like my books and enjoy those. Um, And I do think that there is something to be said about a 14 or a 16-year-old who you know, they like to read about an older protagonist going through things that they might eventually go through in terms of relationships and, um, you know, I guess defeating evil in your own way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would say my target if, is that kind of college year age. But again, you know, you have this wide variety of readers. Like I said, I've had mother and daughters reading it. So my the mothers, you know, are in 40s and 50s and love my books for different reasons than necessarily the teenagers do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's fascinating to see that wide range of audience, even though I would say my ideal reader is between 18 and 21. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Amen. Uh, this book series is called Daughters of Tamnare. When will the next book be published? What are you projecting that to be? Um, I, my goal is probably 2024. Oh, wow. Okay. I, long yeah, I know. It is a long way <laughs> out. I will say my readers are very patient because my first book, the first version of my book came out in 2018, 2019. And I just published the second book in 2022. So it's been quite a bit of time since my first book and my second book. And it's because I am not only am I a teacher, which keeps me extremely busy a lot of the time, even though we have summers off, it's still like (laughs) I'm lesson planning and doing things on during my breaks. I was also getting my teacher's credential and going to grad school while I was writing my second book. So that all of that contributes. I'm also what's called a pantser, quotes, in the writing world. So that's someone who writes. um, They call it writing by the seat of your pants. I kind of like the idea of discovery writer as a term rather than pantser. But because of that, it means that I spend a lot of time writing and rewriting until I get to the final product. I think my goal would be to write like my next three books in the series or the next couple books I have in the series over time and then release them so I could have one a year because I would really like to do one a year. But because I didn't think of that ahead of time with the Tanya's worth, I think that, um, you know, that's a lesson you learn as a writer. You learn, oh, maybe I should have like written all three of these and then tried to publish them one at a time, you know, but um, yeah, so that my poor readers will have to wait a little bit of time before the next one comes out. But I am working on it very much so. <laughs> Do you have a title for the third book yet? Yeah, right now it's called Atania's Destiny. Um, and I like to name it by the the da- the daughter. So my idea or theme is that each ser- like part of the series is named after a daughter or one of the women in there. So that's why I have a Tanya will have three books. Then I have like a Tanya's daughter, Lavana will probably have three books. And then I might even talk about Tanya's mother, Tala in a book. So that's why I kind of name it after them and then put whatever I um, think is a good name at the end. So Tanya's destiny is the name of the third one. Amen. Amen. And you also wrote a short novel or a novella, as they're called, titled Mm -hmm. Toothbreaker. Can you give us the background for this book? 
Yeah. So Toothbreakers actually is a standalone. So if anyone's more interested in reading and sampling my work and not and doesn't want to necessarily invest in a series until they know, Toothbreaker is a good one to read. Um, it is my very first avenue into a redemption story. Mm. So this features Sage, and it is about how he was once one of those monsters. So he was like a werewolf. And he was changed by Tanya with her powers to a normal human being again and trying to wrestle with, should I stay being a human? Should I try to become evil again? What's the good? What's the idea that I should do? And him also um, running into his ex and having to decide, was it worth it? What I did was all the things that I did, all the actions I've taken worth it and um his ex kind of helping him realize that and then her also wrestling with can i forgive him and can i still love him knowing all the evil things that he's done and so um that is really what toothbreaker is about and them being you know dealing with the same the events that happen in atanya's worth and events that happen in atanya's calling but from a different perspective Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah. Amen. That's good. Amen. What led you to write a novella at this point in your career? You know, it, you, uh, have you heard of, um, NaNoWriMo? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So NaNoWriMo is national novel writing month. It happens in November and my, uh, I was trying to get back into writing And they were like, okay, this is a challenge. Let's do this. And there was a lot of writer people involved. So I thought, okay, well, I'm kind of taking a break because I think I was editing or had sent a Tanya's calling to the editor at the time. And so I was in between books and waiting for edits and this came up. And so then I started writing what became Toothbreaker. Um, Yeah. And then I also had Sage originally, that's the main character, in a Tanya's Worth, like a very early draft, like maybe draft one. And I wanted him to have a story, but had never found a way to fit him in with my main books. And it just didn't keep working, but I still felt like he needed a story. And so that's why I took his, that idea I had for him. And during National Novel Writing Month, I decided to write it and wrote like a novella, not really a novel during that time. Amen. That's awesome. Maria, this has been so interesting. How can someone order your books? Are are they all on Amazon? Yes, they are on Amazon. But for anyone who's listening internationally, I have books that are print books through Book Depository, which is actually an international um, Amazon type of thing. They do shipping, uh, I think, for free to many international um, countries. So I have the paperback books available there. Um, I also have a free short story for anyone who would like to join my newsletter. And then I have audiobooks. If anyone's into audiobooks and likes listening to audiobooks, I have those on Audible as well. I mean, who created the audio for you? Who, I mean, did you read it yourself? 
No, I did not read it myself. I felt like it just doesn't work. <laughs> for, for me personally, I think nonfiction works very well for someone to read, but fiction, it's a very different thing. I don't think they would imagine my voice in a Tanya's voice. So <laughs> I hired a narrator named Grace Woods. And Atanya's Worth was actually her very first audiobook. Mm. And she's gone on to do many, many more and does a wonderful, fabulous job. And she did Atanya's Calling as well. So um, Atanya's Worth was her first one, but then she went on to do a whole bunch and then came back to do Atanya's Calling. So um, many people have commented, wow, she's gone and improved so much. And it's funny because it's like, well, yeah, because Tanya's work was her very first one and my very first one. Yeah. yeah. And so now she knows more, I guess you could say for Tanya's calling and both are good, but they were like, oh yeah, I could notice the difference. It's like, yeah, well, that was the first one she did. <laughs> so it makes sense. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. If someone wanted to get in touch with you to, to ask a question, maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? So the best way would be to email me. My email is author at mhelrich.com, E-L-R-A-C-H. So that is the best way to get in touch with me is just to email me. I personally answer all of my emails, of course, unless they're from spam. Everyone knows this, <laughs> you know, yeah. we ignore spam ones, but um, I yeah. do personally answer all of them right now um, because I like to be in touch with people and really talk to people. I've talked to people all over the world just through my email. So it's nice to be able to do that. So if anyone wanted to ask me questions about writing, authorship, getting in touch with me for another interview that's the way to do it amen i'll put links to all this in the show notes below that's great folks as i said in the beginning as christians and as believers we have to be careful of what we allow into our hearts and minds the enemy is smart he'll use subtle things to try and plant a seed and we don't need that instead we should take a break from the reality all around us by allowing those who are of like-minded faith and called by God to create these fictional stories to, to minister to us through great books like Marie Ellick is doing. I urge you to drop down on the show notes right now. Click the links right there. Get in touch with Marie. Check out her website. Ask questions. But more importantly, order a few of her books. Praise God. Order one set for you and two or three sets to pass out as gifts. Amen. You know, somebody you know could use these books and enjoy them. You may even consider purchasing a set for your children's ministry at church. I mean, the ideas really are endless. Just drop down to the show notes, click the links right there. Marie, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on the program today. I do appreciate it so much. Thank you for inviting me. Amen, folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Marie Alaric and myself, this past of our reminder, I need to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.
Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.